Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Just, uh, just two quick things from those announcements. First of all, baptisms. My name's Stan. For those that don't know me, one of the, a part of the eldership team here. Um, we have baptisms at 1 o'clock Bark and Bean Beach this afternoon. If you haven't been baptized, now is your time. Please come along. Uh, baptism is a very key part of your journey. It is a public demonstration of what's already happened in your life. And you've already died to yourself and come alive in Christ. And that's what it signifies as you go into the waters of baptism and come out with resurrection life. And uh, it is the first step of obedience. I always say that to people. It's like people think you've got to have, you got to be this, you got to be this kind of, um, in fact, let me tell you a story. Somebody came to me and said to me the other day, should they get baptized again now that they know exactly what's going on and how it's been? And, and I said to them, you know, in the Bible, uh, Peter's asked, what shall we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized. When you get baptized, you know nothing. You know nothing. As you walk with God, you get to know God. And as you journey with Him, you grow in your maturity. And obviously, you know more about your baptism and what that signifies as you go down your walk with God. So you don't need to get baptized again because you didn't know much when you got baptized. That's what it is for everybody that learns to follow Jesus. But what we've got to do is we've got to take that step and say, God, we, we, my life is yours. And I'm doing that in front of a whole bunch of people on the beach in the waves. Come on, guys, let's come. Come along, one o'clock, bark and bean. You've got enough time to go home, get your stuff and get down there. And we're gonna baptize. I think we've already got 15 or 16 people getting baptized. Let's, let's, let's see God coming in power over this time. The second thing is this, is the offering for the lands. The lands leave on the 5th of December. They fly out, their whole family flies out. They have been incredible blessings to this church over the last seven years. And uh, unbelievable blessing to me personally and to all of us corporately. And what we're wanting to do is they're going, they are, they're feeling like they could plant, maybe they could join a church, they're not exactly sure what they're wanting to do, but they feel in God that they need to go back to America. I know why though, because America needs you. But um, so, so friends, let's, let's sow generously into their lives. Let's sow generously into their lives. It's just a little bit of money. It's unbelievably expensive to, to do, make all these moves. And they've literally been outside of America more than they've been inside America, from the UK to Maritzburg to Durban to, um, I grew, Drew grew up in the, in, in the Ivory Coast. So it's like you, he, they just these, this international hearted group of people, family, and uh, they're going back to their homeland to see what God's going to do with them. And we want to make sure we bless them, that they're well supplied as best as we can undertake for them. So let's do that. We can, we're starting to do offerings. If you want to put it straight into the account, just reference it, land, gift, and uh, we'll get it to them. Talking about America, I just want to say this, friends. I want to say this. The purposes and plans of God are not dependent on Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Cyril Ramaphosa, or Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma. I just want to say that, you know, you know what we do? We give godlike status to presidents and cabinets that only is a place that's only reserved for God. Only reserved for God. 
So whichever side of the, the, the equation you are, Trump or Biden or whoever, whatever political part your affiliation is, do not make the president God. Do not make an election a God. God, God knows what he's doing. And we've got to play the part. As soon as we take our eyes and put it on man, the church stops being the church. But as soon as we keep it on God, the church becomes what the church is meant to be. And in a season and in a moment, God does what he wants to do. And we've got to make sure that we're keeping our line in these things. And I'm one of those that loves to see, and I can easily go down that path. That's why I'm, I'm saying these things to you. But this morning, I'm excited. I really am. I've, I've read a book this, this last week called um, Pathways to the King, or Pathway to the Kingdom, or by a guy called Rob Reamer. And he uses a... He uses a um, a framework of kind of revival to renewal. And I'll show you what that means. I've got some slides even for you today. And, and, and when I was reading this, I thought, man, this is so profound for the stage, uh, the, the kind of process that God, uh, God's got us in as a church, as a, as a people in the city, in the, that, that God's got the church in at this time. And so I thought, I want to go through this for you. And I want to explain to you that actually... You know, my brother has planted, changed uh, the crop on his, on his farm from citrus and some cattle to he's, he's making it into a proper commercial pecan nut farm, eight and a half thousand trees by the end of next June will be planted. And the reason why he's done that is that pecan nuts have got a hundred year lifespan. So once those trees reach maturity, they've got 100 years of production. But it takes 10 to 15 years for them to start producing. So there's a lot of upfront cost. There's a lot of upfront planting, weeding, watering. There's a lot of upfront risk. There's a lot of upfront uh, kind of stuff that needs to happen for you to reap the 100-year harvest, 100 years of fruitfulness. Friends, and what we've got to do is we've got to be building our lives. And I thought when I heard that, it's like there's this huge returns for 100 years, but there's a massive cost up front. In, in the ground, eh? In the ground. You've got no guarantees. Climate, South Africa, uh, just water, all those sorts of things have bearings on that. You've got, you've got no guarantees, but by faith, but by kind of as best as he can understand it's right to do. I'm not saying it's a religious thing that he's doing that for, but he's put that in the ground hoping that he's getting a 100-year crop. How much more in the kingdom of God can we at this stage of our lives put something in the ground that will produce 100 years after we did? How much more? Emil and Sonia Stegen are their parents and all. They are the farm managers at the moment. They are doing all the planting. They are doing all the hard work. They are ripping and plowing and destumping and I mean they just work working like Trojans. Emil and Sonia are in their early 70s. There's a very good chance that they won't see one pecan nut from those trees. A very good chance they won't see one pecan nut. They'll be they'll be in heaven by then. But guess what? Their great 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 grandchildren will. This is kingdom legacy that we're talking about here. 
And we've got to make sure, and I tell you what, friends, it's so powerful to know that in these days, God is putting something deep in our hearts. And can I say to give us a hundred plus years of legacy and fruitfulness in our families? How much more the kingdom of God? And so I want to read a text this morning out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 22. It's one of those texts where kind of Peter or Paul just, he hits a couple of things and he kind of just, it can stand on its own. It's just, it's like Romans chapter 12. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says this. Be joyful, rejoice always, be patient in affliction, and pray always. Be joyful, be patient in affliction. Wait, don't panic when you're in tough times, and pray always. This is one of those kinds of texts. And this is what it says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. Let me read that again. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. That word all is such an irritant. It's not in good circumstances. It's not in okay circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. The first thing we see from that text is that God's will always starts with those three, four things. Be joyful always. Praise. Prayer always continually, unceasingly, some translations say, and thankfulness in all circumstances. God's will always starts with those three things. You want to know what God's will is? Get into praise, get into prayer, and get into thankfulness. Simple, eh? So often we say, well, God, what is your will? You will never know the will of God unless you're in finding a, a place of praise and, and, and you're in intimacy with God in prayer and have a gratitude and a, of, uh, and a thankfulness in your heart in all circumstances. If you don't have that, you will find it very difficult to find the will of God for your life. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for every single one of us. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said this, when joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. When joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. The will of God for us, friends, starts with praise, prayer, and gratitude. Always. If you are not in one of those or three of those places, let's get there. Let's get there. He carries on to say in this text that you've got to have an awareness of the prophetic word of God over your life. Do not hold prophecy in contempt. But test it and hold on to what's good. Amazing, eh? You see, friends, for us to build a legacy of 100 years, it starts with praise, prayer, gratitude, and holding on to the words that God said to you. 
This is not complicated. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not complicated. And then, it's, then he says, avoid all kinds of evil. I love the, I love the, the kind of the, the will of God. You're wanting to find the will of God, and often we kind of go to behavior. Well, the will of God is not to do this and not to do that. Actually, the way Paul starts, Paul says the will of God. The will of God actually starts the other way. Your behavior is the last thing. It's like your, the will of God is this, is actually find joy in God. Praise Him. Let it overflow in worship and praise. Pray, become intimate with Him. Have an attitude of gratitude. Understand, the, take hold of the prophetic words that are yours in God. Weigh them, test them, and hold on to what's good in them because not every prophetic word is good. Do you know that? Not every prophetic word carries the same weight and not every prophetic word has truth in it as well-intentioned the people are that give them. You've got to weigh them up and test them up and hold on to what is good. And then what he says is he says, and taking hold of this prophetic word, avoid every kind of evil. Anything that will take you away from the purpose of God. Anything that will take you away from that prophetic word. Anything that will take you away from praise. Anything that will take you away from prayer. Anything that will take you away from gratitude is evil. Don't, don't avoid that, he says, and stay there. And then let the will of God unfold for you. Friends, this is like a foundational word that, is, that I want us to understand we've got a hundred years of fruitfulness ahead of us. That it's not just for us, it's not just for our children, it's not just for our children, but it's for our children's children's children. This is profoundly influential. If we can take hold of this and do it, friends, we'll have more than a hundred years of fruitfulness in our own lives and together. But, you know, and what I want to talk about this morning is, is a cycle of renewal. This is Rob Rema's stuff. This, a cycle of renewal. And what happens is, so the will of God is those things that I've just spoken about now. And what happens is when we get saved, friends, when we get saved, it's like, it's like the blinkers come off. We, we find Jesus and we realize, man, we are, we are not worthy of him and we, our hearts are soft and we're passionate um, after him, but we, well, the problem is, is life happens, and slowly but surely we can start to drift from that, and I want to talk about the drift that we can get into that we have to, in this time, get out of and back to God. That's where I'm going, and the reason why this is so powerful, because as I was reading this, I was like, cheapest, this is me. I've been there. I can recognize those things in me. And we've got to make sure, if we're, going to, if, we're going to, if we're going to put something in our lives that's going to last 100 years, we've got to make sure that we put processes in our lives that actually take us back to God all the time. Even when we drift, even when we get disappointed, and even when we get hurt, we're always coming back to God and coming back to God so that we've got a continual legacy of fruitfulness going forward. So stage one is this. Shepherd, you can put that up. Thank you. Stage one is this. It's simply this part when we get saved. It's when we, are, we have this kind of spiritual vitality amongst, on us. We're living in almost like a continual state of revival. You know those people that get saved and every prayer they pray, God answers. You know one of those? Actually, that's a good place to be. That's not just for them and then we grow up and we don't get that. Now, when we grow up, we get more of that. That's how it's meant to be. So there's this softness, there's this brokenness, there's this contriteness, there's this passion for God. People are chasing after God. Remember I preached about get back to your first love, get back to what you used to do, it talks about in Revelation. This is what we used to do. You're passionate, you're chasing after God, no effort is, in, is, is too big, no, no meeting is too early to get to. No, no, no time with God is ever wasted, and all we're wanting to do is to get closer to Him, to, to hear His voice and to carry His presence wherever we go. 
you remember those days? We're excited about Jesus and it's an unbelievable privilege to become a son or daughter of God. We are forgiven. We have been given the shame is off of us, the, the guilt is off of us and Jesus is our king. He has saved us. He died for us. His blood was shed for us not only to pay for the penalty of my sin but the power of the sin that is over me is destroyed in his blood and if I find myself in him, I walk in this incredible revivalist kind of lifestyle of victory. That's stage one. There's the spiritual fire. I love in that text it says, don't let the spiritual fire dwindle down. I love sitting around fires. I love sitting around fires. And if you want to sit around a fire for a long time, you know what you've got to do? You've got to feed the fire. Take a log, put it on. If you don't, it goes down, it goes to coals, and then you can put more logs on. It takes a bit of time, but then it comes back up again. If I had a title for my preach this morning, it would be this, feed the fire. Feed the fire. We've got to learn to feed the fire. And what I want to talk about this morning is feeding the fire because you see those things of praise and prayer and, and, and thanksgiving and the prophetic, don't hold them in contempt and avoiding, that's how we feed the fire that we lost 100 years. So that's stage one. And the problem is, is what happens is that we get busy and we stop feeding the fire. And so we start to move into stage two. You can put that one up, shepherd. And what happens is slowly but surely, we end up in spiritual, we start to kind of take the spiritual decline. And we get into that spiritual decline by either being spiritually lazy, just not paying attention. We can get into that decline by sin. We can get into that decline as hardship comes into our lives. As hardship comes into our lives and we kind of get disappointed with God and we get hurt with God. But we feel like we, we take offense at God, basically, is what we do. And the thing that we take offense at God about the most, I think probably... Is, is, is around the question of his goodness and his trustworthiness. And so what happens is something bad happens to us, and we assume that if life is good, then life has to be good to us. And then when life isn't good to us, we assume that God is not good to us, which means you can't trust him. And we have to journey through this. This is a wrestle that every single believer has to follow, friends, every single one of us. We get disappointed, we get hurt, and as we start to take offense, our hearts start to harden. Our hearts go hard, and when they go hard, they grow cold. There's no fire there. Start to grow cold, and the fire begins to smolder. And as soon as our hearts grow cold, friends, we start to get some hunger pangs that we used to have before we found Jesus. We start to grow hungry for the wrong things. Instead of abhorring sin and avoiding sin, we actually start to desire sin. Somebody said this, an ungrateful person is one step away from attempting to get their needs met in illegitimate ways. An ungrateful person is one step away from attempting to get their needs met in illegitimate ways. And as soon as we stop being ungrateful, we start to look for needs to be met, not in God, but in things and stuff. We start to complain. We start to look to someone else other than God or something else other than God. These false lovers begin to 
kind of vifer our tension and our affections. And we start to turn to comfort sins, like alcohol, like drugs, like sex. All the pick-me-ups. Problem is they pick you up, but they drop you further than what you were before. This is, this, is, this is kind of where we, this, friends, when we get to this stage, we're on a downward trajectory away from God. It is at this time, friends, that if we can find God again in praise and prayer and gratitude, getting hold of the prophetic words and letting them feed us and strengthen us, if we can find God again, we go back into renewal. If we don't, our heart becomes harder and harder and harder, and eventually we're in bondage. I think it was Bill Johnson that said this, the intensity of our worship needs to match the darkness of the hour. The intensity of our worship needs to match the darkness of our hour. Friends, when, you, when we're on that spiritual, first of all, you've got to know that you're there. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, if that's you and you're drifting, I'm praying the Holy Spirit is putting something on you right now and saying, that's you. Get back into praise. Get back into prayer. Put your priority back into Him. Get back into thankfulness. Get back into the prophetic openness of your life and start to do what I've called you to do. But what happens is we start to move into the third stage, which is bondage. Remember, friends, God wants us to click back into a renewal phase where we're back into that, that space of God where we're, where we're healthy and vital in Him. Friends, in bondage, the fire's gone out. Your heart has become hard. You feel a lack of energy for anything and everything, especially anything to do with God. Your passion for God is gone. You feel burnt out. I wonder if half of the burnout around us is not because we've lost God. We've no enthusiasm to serve God. I become critical, complaining, and whining. You know that two-year-old kid that we've got? We become that. Complaining, critical, and whining. We see the faults in others. We can only see the faults in others and in the church and in everything else. My heart is hard at this stage. It's easier for me to call out the flaws in others than to see the grace of God over people. And friends, it's spiritually a disastrous place to be. And so often in that when we're in that space, it actually moves into one of two ways. There's an irreligious form of it, and there's a religious form of it. In the irreligious form of us, you, our, kind of, our comfort sins become full-blown addictions, and we kind of get back into porn, and we get back into all these sorts of things, bad patterns of thinking. Drugs, alcohol, all those sorts of things. We become like the youngest son of Luke chapter 15 where, that went and took his father's inheritance and squandered it and, and, it's, and, and we had this wild life. We go back into those places. That's the irreligious form of it. But there's also a religious form of this bondage. And we become not like the younger son, but we actually look more like the, 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 the older son and we become a Pharisee in the church. Jesus said the problem with the Pharisees, their hearts were hard. They could not see. We become condemning, critical, and complaining. We become judgmental. 
We're still in the church and we're still going through the motions, but actually our hearts are hard because they're no longer passionate for God. All they're seeing is the wrongness and all they're seeing is the, the wreckage in people's lives and instead of seeing the grace of God and the love of God over people and all that's happening around them. They start to measure their own maturity by standards that they can keep rather than Jesus. We start to measure our maturity by others rather than Jesus, which is the, the, the plumb line. We start to form theologies that accommodate our behavior and our beliefs and our actions. Friends, once we're in that religious form of bondage, it is very difficult to get out. And once we're in the stage three, it's so difficult to come out of that. In fact, you need a massive encounter with God to get out of it most of the time. And friends, and, and I pray, my prayer is that if there are people in that space, that the whisper of God would unlock their hearts. But I want to say by experience of 20 years of pastoral ministry experience, that's not normally the case. Normally the case is the way you get out of that is for a massive loss and disruption in our lives, friends. God gets our attention through some huge hit that we end up having to take. And that hit at the time feels like absolute this is thing, but actually it's a grace of God saying, look up. And we end up in a divorce or some financial crisis or maybe even a pandemic. Friends, what God is wanting to do at this time, he's wanting to take us back into a renewed state as a, in our personal capacities and as a church. God is wanting to take us deeper. God is wanting a new normal. The new normal is not a change of the way that we do church on a Sunday. The new normal is how we relate to God in a deeper way, in a more real way, in a relational way. Not living a cultural Christianity. That's the new normal, friends. Rend your heart, Joel says. Rend your heart and not your garments. Stop being superficial. Stop being judgmental. Stop being condemning. Stop being critical. Stop whining and rend your heart and get back to God. It's amazing when you're with God and you're seeing God's perspective, everybody looks beautiful. Even the idiot next door. Stage four is renewal. This is the place that God's in. I believe God has got the church in right now. It's a stage where we find our way back to God. We start to experience the first signs and the turnarounds of our hearts and the awakening. We, we, we start to, it involves lots of repentance. It's moments where we begin to see God again. It's the grace of God to us. Maybe it's through a tough time. Maybe it's through the whisper of God. But God's unlocking and softening and suddenly we become sensitive. Our hearts become softer. We become sensitive to the voice of God. We become sensitive to the needs of those around us. We become, we, as sin again becomes something that's deplorable that we don't want to be in and we start avoiding it and running away from it. We start pulling away the lovers of our soul, those illegitimate affections that have come in, those comfort sins. We no longer find comfort in alcohol and drugs and sex, but we actually find comfort in Him again. But friends, I want to say to you, it starts with praise, prayer, gratitude, prophetic. You can't even get anywhere without that. That's the basics. That's the foundation. You stand on that. God can do many other things and does many other things, but it starts with that. And it's amazing how all three of those are communal. They're personal as well as communal. 
Friends, I tell you, one of the, my greatest concerns is that people have become lazy and not coming to church, not because they're fearful, because they're lazy. And they for, they forget, they, they're missing the gathering of the believers, which is full of praise and prayer and thanksgiving and the prophetic. So we're undermining the foundations and think we're going to have a 100-year legacy. We're not. The conclusion to all of this, friends, is this. It's spiritual springtime right now. We need to feed the fire. There's a spiritual springtime right now, friends. There's a spiritual springtime that God is putting into a God before us and, and is holding up an opportunity before us that if we will feed the fire, He will do unbelievable things for the next hundred years. Understand what I say when I do that, when I, what I mean when I say that. You see, friends, when we're praising God, come on, we recognize that He's more sovereign than Donald Trump or Joe Biden. When our focus is on Him and not on our problems, we have a respite, we have a moment where we see the glory and the wonder of God. In prayer and intimacy and thanksgiving, we break bread together. Friends, this is a time for you to break bread with your families in your homes. It's a moment of thanksgiving. Eucharist means thanksgiving. It's a moment where we break bread and we say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've, got, you've done for us. And maybe that's all that you've got to thank God for because things are going so badly for you. But you've got something to say thankful for. And if we don't shift our hearts to gratitude instead of complaining and whining and moaning, we never get into the feed. We stop feeding the fire. We feed the fire that takes us down, not takes us up. This is a moment, friends, where we rend our hearts, as Joel chapter 2 says. We fasted this year about this, friends. We fasted this year about that. This is what it says in chapter 2, verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garment. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. This is a moment of rending our hearts, friends. And rending is not a soft word. It's a hard word. It's a tough word. It's a radical word. It means tearing or breaking. Friends, this is a moment in God to make radical decisions for Him. Friends, those things that are, that are tripping us up, make a radical stand. If it's pornography, make a radical stand, friends. Must I tell you one of the radical stands we can make is to confess our sin one to another. And the reason why we don't want to confess our sins one to another is because we are full of pride and we're actually not broken and it's not that bad, actually. When God is everything, confession of sin means nothing. It's easy because I want that place back again. I want to be in revival all of my life. And you see, friends, that cycle is not something you go through once and then you've got the T-shirt. It's something that we have to live with. We kind of, it's, it's like a moment of growth. You kind of go through the cycle here, and then you go through it again here, and you go through it again there, 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 and you go through it again then, and then. But you see what happens is you're growing all the time. The, 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 the process becomes shorter and easier every time because you understand the things of God. You understand. You get back to the basics. Praise, prayer, gratitude, the prophetic, 
the fire of God. Come, Lord. You get back there very quickly. You can go through that in a day. You can go through that in a week. Let's make sure that it is a day and not months and years. Friends, God is in the process right now of rending our hearts, breaking off every illegitimate affection or competing lover for our souls. And we've got to make radical decisions for him. This is not a soft moany. This is a time to say, God, porn is a problem for me. And you put radical steps in place, like confessing and being accountable and putting all the blocks on and whatever else it is and let God deal with your heart. Sex, drugs, alcohol, friends. Anything, whatever it might be, whatever that thing might be for you, those are the obvious ones. We've got to make radical calls now because what God has for us is a hundred years of fruitfulness for our children's children that we start to plant the seed now. We might not ever see it, but we know it's coming in God. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Let God reach into the deepest parts of our hearts. I tell you what, that's my prayer. It's like, God, I am, I so want all the fears, all the pride, all the insecurities, all the lack of love out of my life, Lord. I don't believe there's anybody that's sitting here that doesn't want that. There's no person on this earth that doesn't want that. We just need it. The only way we can find it is in Jesus. The only way. So, Greg, if you wouldn't mind coming up, please. I feel like God wants to remove barriers this morning. Now, there's a financial term, barriers to entry into the market. Like barriers of entry, like... Um, like you might not have capital, so it's a barrier to entry, or the admin or the paperwork or barriers to entry to starting businesses. God wants to move all the barriers to entry of his presence in your life and over your life. Some of them are theological barriers. You don't actually believe God's good anymore. You don't believe that God's trustworthy anymore because of the disappointment and hurt. And we've got to come back again and be vulnerable and say, God, you are good. You know what, when you, to get to this place, you might not like it. You might not feel like it, that's for sure. But friends, when we have these cycles built into our lives, we go back there. Easily get back there. We realize, man, I haven't been praying. I haven't been praising. I'm not worshiping. Friends, worship on your own. I've, got a, I've started running again. It's so lovely. And I just put worship on my ear. I just worship for the time that I absolutely love it. I can't wait to get back for the worship, never mind the running. Worship is such a beautiful part, alone and together. If you're here sitting here this morning, maybe we can all stand. Maybe we can all stand. One thing I know is what I've spoken about this morning, and there's not one person in their room that actually shouldn't be putting up their hand and responding. I put my hands up, both of them. 
I, for, I get too long. I, I, I spend too much long in a, in a, in a bad place with God. I'm, I'm, too, I'm there too quickly. I'm, I'm there too long. I, I've got to learn to get back faster. It's not about being perfect. Thank you for your word, Lord God. I just thank you for highlighting this to me, for me. And I pray that you would highlight and you would speak. I think you have already been speaking to so many people, Lord. And we want to, we want to respond, Lord God, by saying you are so good, Lord. You are so loving and so kind, Lord. Father, will you, will you come and soften our hearts, Lord? Pray, I pray, Lord God, that there's a moment now that the, the whisper, your whisper would unlock the hard heart. That we don't have to go through hard hits in life to wake up. Father, will your grace come and pour out your power and your love over this community right now in Jesus' name. Father, we want to say we love you, Lord God. And we want to repent. We want to, we want to recognize where we are and change our posture and change our position back towards you and get back to you, Lord God quickly as possible we want to rend our heart Lord God and not just our garments we want to return to you with vigor and fire Lord God help us to feed the fire of our souls this morning Lord in Jesus name let's worship a little together